your home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. Five o'clock hour of the Mark Madden Show brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Yeah, Captain, you just made the list. So the Pittsburgh Steelers apparently are thinking quarterback in the draft. Is this a good idea or not? I say it is if it's the right guy at the right time. But that's a very specific if it's the right guy at the right time. According to DKPittsburghSports.com and Dale Lawley, who's down at the owners' meetings, Mike Tomlin spoke and admitted that he had gone to Stillwater, Oklahoma to see Mason Rudolph, who, in my opinion, is the right guy. I'll tell you what, next to Darnold, he's the guy that I like the most out of this draft. Now, 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 let's understand. I'm probably saying that because I saw him play against Pitt twice. So that inflates in my eyes what he can do. But whenever I've seen him, I've liked him. Throws a good deep ball, accurate, looks like an NFL quarterback to me. I like him as, if not the best guy, the second best guy at that position in this draft. Others don't like him as much as Baker Mayfield, who I think comes with some some questions. Josh Rosen, decision-making, comes with some questions. Lamar Jackson, can he be an NFL quarterback? Uh, Even Josh Allen, who has the look of an NFL quarterback, but can he do it on a top-flight level? I like Rudolph a lot. So I was encouraged to hear that, and Mike Tomlin also said that he's going to go look at Lamar Jackson in Louisville next week. But I don't want them going too high for a quarterback. And I'll be honest with you, I think this is a lot of smoke. I think this is a lot of jockeying for teams that might be waiting for the second round to get to a quarterback, and the Steelers are saying, hello, we're going to take your guy unless you trade with us in the second round. I think there's some misinformation being disseminated here. The Steelers aren't exactly a crew that are renowned for putting the truth out there in advance of the draft, are they? This seems awfully specific in my eyes. This seems like, okay... Uh, Just to let you know, we might be taking Ben's future replacement unless you want to get him first to be your starter next year. So come to us with a trade offer so we can move up in the second round. That's what I think. You know, if Mason Rudolph is sitting there in the third round, do I put off taking a pass rusher? Maybe, but it still feels like a luxury pick to me. It really does especially if Roethlisberger says he wants to play three years. Now, maybe they couldn't figure out any details for Roethlisberger's contract. Maybe they couldn't make it happen. You know, Maybe they're doing this because they can't get Ben to redo his deal or they're not buying what he's selling about how long he wants to be here. This could also be sort of an A.J. McCarron kind of thing. Get to know you now so when you're available in two years instead of the end of your rookie deal, we decide whether we like you enough to get you. But Steelers fans, I'll ask you the question right now. Should the Steelers, I don't think anybody's suggesting that you take one in the first round, second round, third round, do you draft a quarterback as Ben's replacement? I still think it's too early because I think you have other needs. Obviously, inside linebacker, first round. And it looks like there's more depth to that position now than what we thought at the start of the draft. So knowing that, you, you definitely take the inside linebacker first. Then I think you go running back. Now that you've taken care of safety, You've gotten the veteran at inside linebacker to provide some numbers there. And at pass rusher, I don't want them to give the fifth-year option to Bud Dupree. You know who's a third-round pick at pass rusher? Joey Porter. You know who's a third-round pick at pass rusher outside linebacker in the 3-4? Jason Gilden. 
So to me, it looks like there are needs that need to be addressed before even a Mason Rudolph or a Lamar Jackson might make sense otherwise to take in the draft for two years down the line to replace Big Ben. You tell me, what would you do? If Rudolph is there in the second round, if Lamar Jackson is there in the third round, do you take them this year or not? I would still probably stay away. 412-333-9939. Let's get some calls on that. Also hockey as well. Mike calling from New Alexandria. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hi, Tim. Uh, well, first on the Steelers, I agree with you. I think that if uh, first and second rounds definitely got to go uh, linebacker and running back. Uh, if somebody's there in the third round, I think that would be a good idea probably to go with it. Um, you know, the other but, thing you know, is, just oh, by the way, they're an Antonio Brown injury away from being a little shaky at wide receiver too, you know. I mean, then you're talking about Juju and Martavis being your best options at wide receiver, which ain't so bad, but who's the third guy? Whew. Yeah, exactly. So you might <laughs> want to consider a wide receiver, too. Now, what about the Pens? <laughs> the Pens. Uh, the actual reason I was calling was I was curious as to the playoffs. How If uh, both wildcourt teams are in the same division, how do they determine – which team goes to the other division to play in their bracket. Right now, that would be the case. And right now, the lesser of the two who would be, well, not the Flyers, but uh, whoever's the Devils. The Devils would get kicked into the Atlantic and play the Lightning because they are the lower, the team with lesser points. Okay. And then so the, the other team would stick around and play whoever wins the Metro, in this case, as of right now, Washington. Now, I'd say Washington had more points than uh, Tampa, Tampa then Bay yes, right they now. would get they would get their own lesser team from their own division. Yes. Uh, okay, so that's how that works. Yes, that's how that works. It's not all that complicated once you get beyond the complex nature of it. Let's get to Bob in Bridgeville. Hi, right, Bob. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. Big fan. Big fan. Thank you. Hey, so two questions. One, I'm assuming you want to take the inside linebacker with the first position. And two, I do. Who do you think is the best quarterback in the draft? Darnold, then Rudolph. What about uh, the guy from Wyoming? I think he's got all the tools. I've never seen him play against elite competition. And with those tools in that uh, less than elite uh, competitive class, competitive class, uh, he wasn't all that accurate. He threw some interceptions. So, I don't know. I'm not as high on on him as other people are, to be frank. Okay, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. That's my very insightful, like, like, what am I going to break this down like I'm Carson, what's Carson Palmer's brother's name? Jo- what's his name? The quarterback coach? Josh Palmer, is that it? I, I mean, I, I'm not a quarterback guru. I just know what my eyes tell me. And I, all these guys are flawed. Like, this is supposed to be this great quarterback class. Everybody's moving up to draft quarterbacks. But if you look at, like, Mike Mayock's top whatever, top 50, he's going like seven, eight guys deep before he gets to Darnold as the top overall quarterback. There are a lot of better players in this draft that aren't quarterbacks. But, you know, what? have I seen Josh Allen play a game for Wyoming? A little bit of one. That's it. I'm not going to pass myself off as a draft guru. I know I've seen Ruoff play a lot, and I like him. So that's why I go with him after Darnold. But Darnold I've seen play a bunch, and I think there's more there than maybe what he's getting dinged for going into the draft. Dave is calling from Mars. Go ahead, Dave. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with the uh, the quarterback thing. But how much do we ever see Ben Roethlisberger play? Because he went to you know Miami of Ohio and Carson Wentz. Whoever saw him play? So you know the Josh Allen thing. You know the tools are there, sort of like those guys. But it's just I don't know, you know if he's got the mobility that those guys have though within the pocket, like the ability to move within the pocket and then throw on the run, like those two guys do. Uh, that's one thing that I haven't heard um, expressed about him the same way that was expressed about Ben and Wentz when they came out of the draft. Yeah, I, I think he ran all right, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he's not known as that the guy that makes makes something out of nothing, I don't think, uh, as much. I agree. Um, as far as those quarterbacks, it's probably they're – they're never going to be there in the second round. I mean, the first four picks might be quarterbacks, so then you're always going to have those teams jumping to get – you know, Rudolph and Jackson are what the fourth or the fifth and the sixth options as quarterback. There's no way they'd be there in the second round. I think we would take them if they were. I think that's probably a faint hope, though, if you want one, which I agree with you, I don't. Yeah, I think it sounds fun, but at the same time, I think that causes a little bit of chaos, too. Like, if you've got Ben Roethlisberger mentoring a guy who he has now decided to stick around for three years, and that guy's going to be behind him for three years. I don't know if he'd handle that as well as we want to think. Now, if he knows exactly when his exit date is, as opposed to Tom Brady, and apparently the Patriots kept that really, really quiet for a long time, but there's some rub there. Um, I don't know how that would go here in Pittsburgh. I think there would be some drama there, and as we all know, they're trying to minimize drama, not exacerbate it. So I would wait until we know that Ben is one year removed from retiring, and if they really are serious about drafting a quarterback now, again, I go back to the point, I wonder if that means they're not as sure as what we felt like it was at the end of last year that Ben is definitely going to be back for another two to three. What do you think? This news coming from Tomlin today. I've been to Stillwater. I'm going to Louisville. 412-333-9939. Do you want to see the Steelers follow through? And if a quality second-round quarterback is on the board, do you take him there before you get to the running back or the pass rusher? I say no. What say you? We talk hockey when we come back as well. Derek Broussard, upward trajectory. I talked about this briefly with Mike Lang. The numbers are striking when you compare them to Marion Hosa and what he might be able to do moving forward. We'll talk about that when we return as well. This is 105.9 The X. This is Phil Kessa of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden, the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Lots to get to here in the 5 o'clock hour. We're giving away WWE SmackDown tickets in just a few minutes. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden. Uh, Derek Broussard is going to be the main topic of conversation here. I just want to throw this out. A couple items related to the Pitt basketball coaching search before we get there, though. Uh, Ryan Odom has agreed to a new contract with UMBC. So if you wanted the UMBC guy, you're not even going to get him. Like This has sort of been a perfect storm thing for Pitt. Like These fringe, small conference coaches have figured out that maybe, just maybe, it's okay to stay where you are. You might have more fun instead of being like, Mark Fox jumping from Nevada, then going to Georgia and getting canned real quick, or seeing what happened to Kevin Stallings twice now, seeing what happened to Jamie Dixon here, that maybe the grass isn't always greener. Like people are starting to figure that out. Mark Few is loving life in Gonzaga. You know, I think that that has seeped into the thinking of a lot of these coaches at the exact time where Pitt has the worst possible situation for anybody to step into. And to that point, from Pittsburgh Sports Now, check out some of the schools that are interested in some of the kids that are transferring from Pitt. Apparently, according to Evan Daniels of 24-7 Sports, Parker Stewart 
is getting interest from. Maryland, Nebraska, USC, Oklahoma State, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Georgetown, St. John's, Western Kentucky, and Wyoming. Aside from that, no one. Marcus Carr is getting interest from Texas, Cincinnati, Minnesota, Iowa State, Gonzaga, Xavier, Xavier, and UMass, as well as Marquette. <laughs> like, those are good schools. These are other schools that want these kids. You know, Matthew Moyer is transferring from Syracuse. Maybe pick and get him so he can play for Coach... Um, uh, I I don't know. We'll see. 412-333-9939. If you're just tuning in, we had a conversation going before the commercial break about the possibility. And I don't even I want to blow this up into something more than it is. Just the possibility that the Steelers might be thinking quarterback early in the draft. And what that means in terms of a ripple effect to Ben Roethlisberger. Unless the Steelers have gotten some sort of indication from Ben that the end is, in fact, closer to now than what we thought at the end of this season. Like, maybe he has reconsidered to where his mind was at the end of last season, that it could happen at any time. Unless that's the case, I don't go quarterback in this draft. I don't. Until the third or fourth round. And then at that point, what's the point? Unless everybody else has gone quarterback early, and then everybody else bypasses, and then that happens sometimes. Like that, that's how the Cowboys got Dak Prescott. Is a lot of people went quarterback early. There was a long gap, and then Dak Prescott was there for the Cowboys, and they got him, and he's thrived. Now that same sort of thing could happen with the Steelers in the fourth round with Mason Rudolph or Lamar Jackson. If you like Lamar Jackson and you think that he can be an NFL quarterback, if you think that Mason Rudolph isn't just the product of a system. But I would make sure that my other three needs were addressed first, and they are needs. Maybe not for this year, but for 2019. That's a running back in case you can't get a long-term deal with Le'Veon Bell done, and I don't think you can. And then a pass rusher to replace Bud Dupree, because I don't think they should give him that fifth-year option. And even if they do, then you want one ready to go after that next year, because I think they're going to regret it. And like I said, that's been a sweet spot for them in the third round getting pass rushers. Or late second round. Like, you know, um, Chad Brown and Lamar Woodley. Those guys were second round. I don't know how late each of them were. Kind of middle round. Mid round picks for those guys. But you tell me, is it wise for the Steelers, as you're hearing from Mike Tomlin telling DKPittsburghSports.com, that he's already been to Stillwater for Rudolph. He's going to see Lamar Jackson at Louisville. Do you want to see the Steelers go quarterback in the second or third round? I still think it's too, too early, even though I love Rudolph as a prospect. 412-333-9939. I also said we get back to hockey here, too. And um, I drew this analogy when Mike Lang was on earlier. And, and that's the transition that Derek Broussard is making. Now, Broussard has a six-game point streak. And some people were getting on Broussard for not making an immediate contribution to the Penguins after he came here from the trade. And I think that was exacerbated because Ian Cole surprisingly went out the door in the trade after he started playing better once he was reinserted in the lineup and people didn't want to see him leave. Then he goes to Columbus. That corresponds to him scoring a few goals. That corresponds with Columbus getting on a 10-game win streak. They might play each other in the playoffs. What's this Broussard guy doing? He only had two goals or whatever it was, two points rather, in the first seven games of the Penguin. Well, you know what? Now he's on a six game point streak and he's had two pretty important goals in the last couple of games for Pittsburgh I think he's finding it and I think he's figuring it out and people say I can't remember who used the phrase uh, if it was maybe maybe Jonathan Bombouli used it with us and I know Jason Mackey brought it up too when I was in the DV morning show from the Post-Gazette 
that you got to beat the Ottawa out of him. That the Penguin system is so vastly different than the Ottawa system that it was going to take Broussard a long time to adjust. And I think that's something that even somebody like me who was a fan of the trade underestimated. I think there's a lot of merit to that. I think there's a lot of truth to that. The analogy that I use with Mike is it's like taking a 4-3 rush end and then putting him on a 3-4 team saying, be an outside linebacker and drop into coverage. It's like taking a kid from Syracuse's 2-3 and say, go play Bob Huggins' press at West Virginia. It's like saying to a baseball player, uh, switch teams, switch parks, and also move from center field to a corner position. It's dramatically different. And I think that Broussard has been victimized by that. And he's also not playing on the power play as much. He's not getting as much ice time as he once did. He's losing about three minutes per game based on what he had in Ottawa. So he's not getting the volume scoring opportunities that he had with the Senators. Given the presence of Crosby and Malcolm in front of him, he's just not getting the ice time. But this is very similar to Marion Hosa. Like, remember when Hosa came to Pittsburgh? That didn't exactly start fast. Like, we don't remember that. But when Hosa was acquired by the Penguins, he came here, played one game, and got hurt right away. And he missed a couple weeks. And then he had just three regular season goals between the trade deadline and the start of the playoffs. Just three regular season goals. In the postseason of 2008, he had 12 goals and 26 points in 20 games. He would have been the Conn Smythe winner if he flips that puck over Osgood and it goes in the net and they win that game and then game seven. They get to overtime and beat the Red Wings and win the cup. Marion Hosa is your Conn Smythe winner. Like, we all look back at Hosa and say, ah, oh, look at Hosa. We beat him in the playoffs. Ah, oh, look at Hosa. Ha ha, you went to Detroit and you lost. Well, there's a reason why we were so upset about that. And the reason we were upset about it was he was a damn good hockey player. And we all wanted him to stay. And we wanted him to stay because he was so great in the postseason. That's why. His regular season point production, like Broussard, wasn't impressive. But by the time he got to the point se- uh, postseason, it was good. And, and I think Broussard falls under that same umbrella. I think Broussard falls under that same tent. And I still maintain the biggest reason why Broussard is here is for a reason we hope we never see. And that's him getting elevated to the second line if Sid or Gino gets hurt. Until then, I still think he's going to be a more offensively productive version of Nick Benino, and we should be happy about that. Matt Williamson next here on 105.9 The X. Oh, after we give you WWE tickets. Here's how you win the tickets to SmackDown. Two four-packs of WWE tickets uh, in honor of Mason Rudolph. I don't know what his number is. Let's pretend it's nine. 412-333-9939. 412-333-9939. The ninth caller wins the tickets to WWE SmackDown here on 105.9 The X. The X at 105.9. Congratulations to Jeremy and Marina. They were the winners of the WWE tickets. They were caller number nine. But we have to take the tickets away from them because Mason Rudolph wore number two at Oklahoma State. So take the tickets away and give them back to caller number two. Joining me right now. On 105.9 The X, Tim Ben's in for Mark. It's our NFL guru, Matt Williamson, my co-host on Steeler Radio Network programming during the football season. Make sure you check him out as well, the Locked On podcast. Matt, good to talk to you again. How you been? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Good. Uh, the news comes out today, DKPittsburghSports.com. Mason Rudolph has been scouted by, by Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. He's also looking at Lamar Jackson next week at Louisville. What do you think of these two quarterbacks and the idea of Pittsburgh maybe going QB in round two or three? 
Yeah, I don't think Jackson is even an option in two or three and may not even be there at the end of the first round. I'm not sure Rudolph will be there in the, the second round either, but um, I've thought all along that next year is the perfect timing to get your guy. However, you know, it looks like the safety position's a little firmed up, and if there isn't a linebacker you love, it's never a bad idea to add a signal caller. I mean, if there's, you know, every year there's only a couple that you look at and think that guy can be a long-term starter for us. And I think both those guys you mentioned possibly could, especially with development when you're talking with Jackson, that you never should really turn your nose up at that. I mean, they're just such a rare commodity. So I understand it, and you have to do your due diligence anyways. I mean, because four or five years, these guys can become free agents. They could end up on your team at any time, you know. So who knows how serious that is. But I could see it. I mean, it's not, I think, ideal situation. Next year would be better, but I could see it. Do I like Mason Rudolph as much as I do only because I've seen him play against Pitt twice in his career? I don't know. I, I seem to like him more than the most of the pundits out there do, too, and it sure seems like the Steelers like him a lot more than yeah. you know the, the big draft guys on Twitter do. I mean, people talk about him like, boy, he's definitely a second-day guy, but you watch him, he has NFL quarterback traits where – Stays in the pocket, sees the field, manipulates coverage, real good feet, real good eyes, you know, size, poise. You know, that I've seen the argument for the people that like him a lot that he's the most ready of any of these prospects, and I can understand that. I like his wide receiver, too, James Washington. I think the Steelers should look at him in the third round. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure he'll be there either because such a light receiver draft. Uh, he's a strong guy. He's good after the catch. Vertical presence. Um, had some drops. Uh, you know, this is a really weird receiver draft. That there's five, six, seven of them that are all about the same. You know, and there's a lot of teams that need wideouts right now. I do think the Steelers should grab one fifth roundish or so. You know, I've been watching how people have responded to the inside linebackers, and we just alluded to them, Matt, a few minutes ago. Rashawn Evans of Alabama was always deemed to be the number one guy, but as the combine has now come and gone, I feel like he maybe slipped a little bit or other people have caught up to him, like Roquan Smith at Georgia and Leighton Vander Esch out of Boise State, who everybody seems to love now. I think Roquan Smith's clearly the number one. I mean, I think he's a 6-12 to 12 pick overall type of guy. Like, if you were looking for a, a Shazier replacement, I mean, that's what you're after, every down guy. And then there's Edmonds, who's kind of the wild card. He's the 6'5", looks like an outside linebacker, but moves like a second-level player. I don't think the Steelers have any chance at either one of those. I mean, I think the two names to really consider are Van Der Esch, like you said, and Evans. And both those guys are impressive. And there are a lot of teams in the 10 picks or so before the Steelers pick that could use a guy like that. Van Der Esch blew up the combine. He's only really a one-year starter at Boise. There's a lot to like. He's got a lot of size to him. He has like that Erlacher look about him. Um, Evans is just a, a wrecking machine. I mean, I, I prefer Evans of the two, but if you said the Steelers will end up with one of those two, I would take it right now, and I feel there's about a 50% chance of that happening. Matt Williamson, our NFL guru here on 105.9 The X, Tim Benson for Mark Madden. Uh, the draft news about the quarterbacks sort of took me for a loop today, Matt. I, I meant to bring you on first and foremost to talk about the story that has come out from Kevin Colbert at the owners' meetings, which is 
that the Steelers are stating that the Le'Veon Bell contract talks are on the back burner. I guess we could all assume that if we wanted to or just not be surprised at it, but I also see it as kind of an optics shot across the bow at Bell. How about you? Yeah, and this doesn't surprise me. I kind of predicted this all along because I really do think what's best for the team as it was a year ago is franchise them, run them into the ground again, revisit it a year from now, but probably this time let them you know, be on his merry way. I really have been saying since day one that signing him to a long-term deal I think is the worst of the options. You know, Just because I think he's a slightly declining player, with an unbelievable amount of wear and tear on his body. And I'm not a big believer in don't put a lot into running backs, but there's a lot of running back options out there. You know, I mean, there always are. So I hope they don't sign him to a three-, four-year deal or something along those lines. Not to mention, I mean, I understand where he's coming from, that, yeah, I'm a number two receiver and a number one running back, but you're asking for a contract that's never been close to, you know, consummated at the NFL level for a running back. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of foolish. Now, I'm with you, and I've always been in favor of franchising him too, Matt, and I think that option got less uh, support from the fan base than it should because people didn't understand what the franchise tag was really going to do to the cap. People were acting like if the Steelers franchised Lev Bell, they'd never be able to get anything else that they wanted in free agency, and here they are doing what they what we all thought they would do anyway, which was get a starter and a backup at two positions, a starter at safety and a backup at inside linebacker or vice versa. I, I, I thought that's what they'd be able to do anyway. I, I think people were in panic mode over what the franchise tag meant for Bell, and I don't know why. We've seen in recent years that Kevin Colbert knows how to manipulate these kind of things. Yeah, and I mean, I hate to say it, but in some ways the cap is a bit of a myth, you know, that you can just restructure AB and Ben and all these different guys and use money around, you know, and, and manipulate where you're, how much cap space you have. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I was really in the camp of franchise them, listen to trade offers, and if someone blows you away, send them on his way, which I still think could happen. I mean, I, I, that's probably far-fetched, but I, I, I worry about investing a lot of money in that guy. Would you go second round running back in the draft? Because I would. I've been saying since day one that their needs to me were inside linebacker first, safety two, and I think they basically solved that with Burnett, and I still think Sutton's going to move there and really solve it. Um, and then running back number three, you know, to me is running back is clearly a need for several reasons. First off, Pitt people aren't going to want to hear this, but I don't trust James Conner at all right now. And just to stay on the field or to be a quality number two. So I want a guy that, either can be a number two now and make Connor my three and doesn't mean Connor's a bust or maybe the Bell successor a year from now. So that's probably a, a second or third round pick. Do you know of any running backs there. that would likely be there in that position, Matt? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's Tony Michelle, Chubb, um, the kid from Auburn, Johnson. It's a deep running back draft. I mean, if you go to any list and look at the top 10 or so, Barkley's obviously going to go off the, the board very, very early. I think Geis will probably be gone when the Steelers pick, but maybe if there's nothing else there, he's your first-round pick. I mean, he's worthy of that. And then there's a bunch of them in, this, in this, the second and third rounds I think are 
quality guys. Most of them catch the ball pretty well, too, which I think is going to be a prerequisite. But it's a very deep running back draft. You know, I like the guys at the top. Uh, Sony Michelle, Darius Geis, I've seen a lot of them. I, I don't see them lasting to when the Steelers have the opportunity to pick, nor do I see Chubb for that matter. But then again, Matt, running back is sort of like quarterback, is it not? In the sense that... You know, if there's a little bit of a run early, then sometimes you see guys that are surprisingly there late. Like, even for instance, when the Steelers and Packers got Eddie Lacy and Le'Veon Bell back to back in the second round, right? Right. After Gio Bernard had gone or picked before. So maybe the same thing happens here for Pittsburgh. I don't know. Yeah, I, I tend to think that, you know, the two Georgia guys won't be there when the Steelers pick in the second round, especially Michelle, because he's so well rounded. But if you look around the league, and I haven't really done this, but off the top of my head, how many teams are really in the market for a round one or two running back? It's probably only five to eight, you know, something like that. You know, the Giants and and all those teams have other big needs as well. So it's a position that can fall. And if Evans and Van Der Esch aren't there and Geis is sitting there at the end of the first round and there's not a safety you love, I wouldn't hate that move either. You know what I would hate is giving Bud Dupree the fifth-year option. I know some people are on board with that. I'm not. What do you think? Yeah, that's, that's a good discussion because he's been highly disappointing to me. I mean, you're dropping him the coverage a lot, and even when he's rushing the passer, he's not he's not winning one versus one. You know, I mean, he, he, he gets sacks when they're schemed up and hustle sacks and all those things. But, you know, that's a need. That's a kind of a quiet need here, too, because if he's off on his way after this year, that's a lot of faith in Watt and question mark, you know, and you can never have too many good pass rushers. Um, what, I, guess, I guess the thought is, what percent chance do you think Dupree blows up this year, finally breaks out, and is worth that money you give him as an, as an option? And I tend to think that that's a pretty low number. Yeah, like a 30% chance. Yeah, right. I'm thinking like one in four, right. Right, and, you know, they've gotten success finding third-round pass rushers before. Porter was that, Gilden was that, just as a for instance. And you and I have talked yeah, about this before. Yeah, times have changed on that. Yeah, no, I know, I, I know. But, you know, yeah. where they've also changed too, Matt, is especially for the Steelers, they don't know what their front seven is anymore. Like, they don't know what their outside linebackers are supposed to do, rush the passer or drop. It's funny because I was on with Stan. We had this exact conversation a couple days ago, and it's a really good one because there's a couple ways of looking at it. I mean, it's kind of a chicken or egg situation. Right. If they had Khalil Mack, he'd be rushing the passer. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, obviously. So that doesn't exactly bode, you know, that doesn't sing praises for Watt and Dupree. And I think Watt was at the, the league leaders of edge players dropping into, pass, in, into coverage, and Dupree's not far off. But it's also a feather in the cap of Tewitt and Hayward and Hargrave to a lesser extent. And in today's NFL, with so many get-it-out-quick, RPOs, all those type of things, you would rather rush the passer between the tackles better than on the edge. But again, if you had Vaughn Miller or Joey Bosa, he wouldn't be dropping the cover. Lastly, Matt, you mentioned before that you like Burnett as the signing. So do I. Some people yeah. said he was the best safety on the board before Matthew became available. He was getting projections of as much as $8.5 million until the safety market crashed. Uh, I think this is a good signing by Pittsburgh. I can almost see them going with a quasi-nickel look of four pass rushers, one of the inside linebackers, 
him basically playing an inside linebacker position and then five DBs behind them. I, I think that could basically be their their base D, more or less. What do you think? Yeah, I've been saying that too, that I think that you could see a lot of big nickel instead of a base 3-4, which, you know, Burnett, Davis, Sutton, two corners, and then whenever you go to your sub package, then you bring a third corner on and you're playing dime instead of nickel. So hope everyone can kind of follow that. I mean, it doesn't mean Burnett's a linebacker. You'd have a lot more a wide variety of skill sets out there, and you still may have the three 300-pounders on the field, but you're, light, you're not very good at linebacker. You have a very versatile safety who also can get everybody aligned and has some leadership qualities, which I think is important. So, yeah, I think you'll see more three safeties on the field in early downs and more dime instead of nickel in throwing downs. Yeah, the way I keep saying it, Matt, and see if you agree with me on this, you're replacing Ryan Shazier to a degree with the view that Shazier is a linebacker that can do safety things with a safety who can do linebacker things. Yeah, and I don't know that you've heard a lot of this, but it's really becoming a common you know subject is positionless football. You know, yep. like on the other side of the other side of the field is Jordan Reed really a tight end? He hasn't blocked anybody in a hundred years. You know. He's a big receiver. Eric Ebron's a big receiver. Is Burnett or Paul Amalu in his day, you know, it used to be a negative that you were a tweener. You know, they, oh, he's, he's too slow to play safety and he's not big enough to play linebacker. Now you look for those guys because they do a lot of things well. Matt, thanks. Really do appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk again soon, I hope. All right. Sounds good, Tim. We'll All right. That is Matt Williamson, our NFL guru. Check him out the Locked On NFL podcast as well as here during football season as always on Steeler Network Radio. Uh, he's on the pregame show as well as the weekly shows as well with us, me and Craig Wolfley, on Mondays and Wednesdays and on SNR Monday through Friday as well. Plus, you can hear him on ESPN Pittsburgh upstairs too. This is 105.9 The X. It's at Virginia's Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Thank you. I want to say, hell, Mark. I would rather give myself a colonoscopy with a coat hanger. The X at 105.9. Boy, I get so excited whenever I saw the ice cream truck or the candy van. <laughs> What's the candy van? Oh, nice try, Michael. But everybody knows you're not supposed to tell what happens in the candy van. <laughs> what you trying to do? Give me spanked and tickled by old man Cunningham. <laughs> but what about all the outdoor concerts, Michael? You know, I remember one summer, my daddy took me to see Little Richard. He said, son, that's the architect of rock and roll. It's the devil's music, and I'm going to kill him. <laughs> that there is Albert Bell, also known as Crazy Neighbor Willie. Judging by his mugshot, anyway. I understand that we have breaking news here to close out the Mark Madden Show, brought to you by Chapina Restaurant and Cigar Bar, the best seafood and chop house in the city, located in the Strip. Bob, I understand the details are in on the arrest of former Major League Baseball All-Star Albert Bell. Do you have the details for us? Tim, the details are in, and they are not pretty. Here's what happened. He was a little bit drunk. He was urinating next to and onto this gentleman's car. The gentleman rolled down his window and yelled at him to stop it and get away from his car. So he took a step backwards to the back window where that gentleman's 15-year-old daughter was sitting in the car <laughs> and kind of, I don't know, made Waved some... his bat in the on-deck circle? Right. The corked bat did make an appearance. Uh, he then 
got in his car and tried to drive away. And that's when the police got him for DUI, extreme DUI, and lewd gestures. Now, technically, how do you get both? How do you get both DUI and extreme DUI? Well, you can get breaking and entering. So I guess you can get DUI and extreme DUI. I guess you get the DUI, but then when you you blow whatever level it is out there, .25 or whatever the extreme level is, that's when they tack that one on. Now, to be clear, though, he didn't do to anybody in this incident what he did to Fernando Vina at second base <laughs> as a member not. of the Cleveland Indians. We are not aware of that at this time. All right, so I've tweeted the story out from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. If you don't believe me that he looks just like Keenan Thompson's character from... Saturday Night Live. This is this guy used to be a Major League Baseball All Star, and he looks like Crazy Neighbor Willie now. Two A T. There's a character actor. I can't think of the guy's name, but he looks exactly like him. We all will figure out who it is as soon as you see the picture. I just can't think of the guy's name right now. I'm googling it furiously over here. All right. Well, we come back uh, tomorrow. Uh, among other guests, we'll have uh, someone lined up to talk about the. Detroit Red Wings. We're also going to hear from Sal Capaccio. He's going to join us from WGR in Buffalo. Sal has been covering all these potential names that are apparently all turning down the University of Pittsburgh for their basketball job. Plus, he's going to check in from the owners' meetings as well to get us up to date on the catch rule debate. So make sure you check in for that tomorrow. And we'll have the Hockey Night Show in advance of Pens and Red Wings at 5.30 tomorrow here on your home for the Pens, 105.9 The X.